Welcome to the Inspired Wave. This is the podcast and community for conscious female founders and leaders who are ready to enjoy more peace and prosperity in their business while creating more inspired impact in the lives they're here to serve, who are ready to fully step into their leadership and live their soul's purpose with confidence and passion. I'm your host, CJ Rivard, and with over 30 years in business and leadership experience, I blend the tactical systems and strategies that we all need in our businesses, along with the science of energetics, the art of recognizing and learning how to follow your intuition, and the magic that happens when we create empowering relationships and take aligned action. This is all to help women get out of hustle mode to thrive and really fall in love with what they do. Registration is open and you'll want to sign up now for our free Inner Joy Unleashed event. Join this 30-day gratitude celebration that's going to have quick daily prompts and we're going to have so much fun. It's going to help you build your gratitude habit and infuse more joy into your life and business. So there's a link in the show notes. Be sure to go check it out. Well, hey there, welcome to the show. So today is the first episode in a new series I've put together for you all about creating your small but mighty dream team. Now, listen in because this is going to be for you whether you have been on this journey a while, but maybe you're resisting your next tire because it just seems overwhelming and it's a lot. Creating or building a team just feels hard or heavy because it doesn't have to be like that. It can be the most rewarding thing for you and the best thing you can do for your business. And of course, this is also for you. If you haven't done your first hire yet, we can get you started on the right foot. I know that for many business owners, this whole idea of having to build a team, feeling like you don't want to go there, but you probably should, it can inspire terror in your hearts because you don't know what to expect and nobody taught you this in the past, or maybe you read a book, but you've never done it before. And it's a different thing. We all know this, reading something and actually doing it are different things. So stick with me because through this series, I'm going to share some tips, do's and don't do's, to get you set up in the right direction and heading for success and what you can expect and look for in this process. So the first thing is I want to address your mindset because if you've never managed or led a team before, you're probably resistant with a little imposter syndrome or self-doubt thinking this isn't for you, you can't do it. Well, of course you can. You are a smart, smart woman and look at all the things you've done in your life. This is just one more new thing you need to intentionally learn like you did many other aspects of your business, right? Most of us get into a business because we have an idea or something, you know, that we're really aligned with, that we really love to do or want to offer to our customers. And we get in because of that one thing. And then 
Nobody told us there are a gazillion other things that we have to learn about and figure out how to do. Your accounting, your marketing, all the things, your customer service and production, all the things. You step into the business and then you have to learn and figure out how to do it. So being a leader is no different, but I recommend that you don't just assume it will come to you or that good leaders are born, they're not made. That's a load of garbage. (laughs) Nobody is born a great leader. Now, maybe people are born, some are more charismatic than others, and so their manner of speaking and connecting can be more influential right out of the gate. Nobody is a great leader without practice And self-awareness. So when you see something not working, you can pivot and change and try something else without beating yourself up. So stick with me. I've got some tips for you. And it's really an amazing, rewarding thing to do. One of the best things you can do for yourself, if you have a vision to create more impact for the people that you serve, you're going to get to the place where you have to expand by bringing on at least a little bit of team. One of the best things you can do to prevent burnout and overwhelm for yourself is to allow yourself that gift to let go of a little of the control and pass it on to some well-trained and trusted team members. And then it's also good for the energy of your business and your customers when you do the right hiring and onboarding and you have the right team members in place. It's an amazing thing. I'm really excited for you to get there. So having a team, as you kind of hear me alluding to, has a lot of rewards. Does not mean that you need to go out there right out of the gate and hire 10 or 20 people or 50 people, depending on where you are in your business. It does not. You can take it as slowly as you need to, make sure it makes sense, make sure you have the work for them and the budget, you know, the cash flow coming in to support another person to help you. But don't ignore that tug that it's time because you know when it's time. And you need to hire that person to continue to step up and share and serve the way you're called to. You can't do it alone. So one of the best benefits, I think, of bringing on a team, besides, you know, the obvious benefit that you've got more productivity hours because, you know, more hands, one of the best benefits is the energy and the creativity, and the brainstorming, and the new ideas to serve you, the business, and your customers that can come out of that creative energy when people who care and who are in the trenches and know come together and create. Now, you've heard me talk about masterminds before. That's kind of what this is. There is definitely a benefit to Having a mastermind outside your business so everyone's objective and they don't know anything about your business and they can look at it from an outside perspective. But then there's the day-to-day brainstorming and masterminding you get to do when you bring in the right team members that you trust and who care about the business 
and are observing and hearing feedback from your customers. And those new ideas just bubble up to create more value for your business and your customers. And it's just magic. It's a wonderful experience. And you can't get there if you're stuck in control freak mode. That doesn't serve anyone. The business may be yours. It was your baby. You birthed it. You created it. But then it takes on an energy of its own. And it cannot continue to expand and serve more people and impact more lives if you don't let go of a little of that control in a smart way and bring on trusted team. All right, so enough about that. What I want to really get into today is the hiring process, because that's the first step, right? And because when people haven't done it before, and maybe they don't think about it until they're short-staffed and really desperate to get someone in the door right away, they tend to gloss over this and really botch it. So do not do that. Please listen and sit with this information and be sure you set yourself up for success. The reason being, doing it right the first time, you don't have to go back and fix the problems and do it all over again when you've made a bad hire. Now, there are things beyond our control that can happen that you can't predict. Just because someone leaves after six months, it doesn't mean you did something wrong. But you can do everything in your power to make the best hire for hopefully some longevity in your team, you know, the best decisions that you can do at that time. So the first thing you need to do is remember that you're treating your business like a business. So just like any other big corporation you may have worked at in the past, there are some legal parameters you need to understand and paperwork you need to have in place, things you can and can't do that you need to research and know about. I'm not going to get into that here because it's different depending on where you live and the type of hiring you're doing, and we'll get into that in a minute. But look for resources that are local to your area, and if you're going on Google and checking on, you know, Lawyer Google, Make sure you've got a reputable resource. There's a lot of stuff out there that you don't know where it's coming from. And make sure it pertains to specifically where you live and where your business is, you know, based. Whether it's a global business or not, it has to, you know, be registered and based somewhere. So make sure that it pertains to where you are. And then it's a really good idea to have an idea anyway of who you can go to for a human resource legal type of an expert if you need an opinion down the road on something. And I'm not suggesting or trying to scare you, but it's one of those things if we plan in advance, we can help ensure that there's no little glitches down the road, right? So planning and preparing does not mean expecting. And hiding your head in a hole and ignoring possibilities does not mean that something won't pop up and bite you. So do your due diligence and make sure legally you're covered and you know what you can and can't do and you're doing the right things. All right, so that's all I'm going to say there. When you get ready to recruit, you need to give some thought 
exactly to what your needs are and what type of hiring you want to do. Is it a subcontractor or an employee? Know what the difference is and when you can do one versus another. Know when you can hire someone on salary versus hourly and they're not overtime exempt. Know if you want to hire someone part-time or full-time, seasonal or temporary. There's a lot of options. So there's no reason to put off hiring if you think it's just for a temporary project. You can hire for a temporary project, but have a good idea of what you want or need for that so you can be really clear in setting the expectations when you start recruiting. What are the responsibilities? You need to be able to clearly define the role and responsibilities and what you're expecting for a skill set and a background, a previous experience. Again, there's a lot of room here, depending on what you're hiring for. I think a lot of newer business owners want to try and save money and so not look for people with a lot of experience because if you want the experience, you have to pay for it. And just know there's certain skills you really want to pay for the experience depending on your industry and all of that, certain things you don't want to cheap it on. And then there's other things that maybe it's okay to hire someone brand new to the industry, but know that even though you're paying them less, you're going to have to invest a lot more of your time into training and mentoring them and making sure they're onboarded and getting up to speed so that they're set up for success. So when you look at that, look at what your time's worth. Everyone forgets about that. Your time is your most valuable resource. So is it worth your time to save a few bucks on the hourly rate? Maybe it is. Or is it better to bring a pro in that you think they're still going to need training because they don't know you and your business? You still have to set them up for success, but it's going to be much faster and maybe that's what you need and it's worth paying a little more. So there's a lot to consider here, and you're the only person that can answer these questions, but please do consider it and make sure it's the right fit for you at the right time, depending on your budget, depending on all the things. You want to be able to really clearly articulate to them what your expectations are when you're doing the interviewing or even recruiting. And one of the things you want to think about are the hours. Is it part-time or full-time? And is it remote or do they have to be in a physical location? That may be very black and white. Or if it's an office job, it may be a little gray. Like you really want them there, but they don't really need to be there all the time. So is there flexibility in what you're hiring for? And it's up to you, but that will really define or determine who you might attract into the position. So the more flexible you are, you might get a bigger pool of applicants, but that's entirely up to you and what you feel your needs are. Then when it becomes time to recruit, a word of warning here. So first of all, it's going to depend on the type of position you're hiring for and your location as far as where you go to recruit. There's a lot of stuff online that you can use, but maybe that doesn't fit what you're hiring for. Maybe you want to go put posters in coffee shops or talk to the local high school or, you know, about an intern placement 
There's so many different ways to go about hiring. Talk to other businesses in your area and maybe you'll get some good or creative ideas that way. But they're, you know, every situation's unique. What I do want to stress here, though, that I see a lot of people kind of not doing the right thing. Yes, you can mention to friends or ask people if they know anyone and get referrals. You do not want to hire the first person that drops in your lap. Oh, my friend's brother's neighbor knows somebody. They're supposed to be really good. Well, that's great. If you hear from someone you know and trust that someone's really good, that's a good thing. That's what we call a recommendation. But do not stop there. Even if you feel like you look at the resume, they meet all the requirements, you talk to them, whatever, you feel like they could be a really good fit, do them the honor of knowing that you've interviewed other people and you made a choice and you chose them because you knew what else was out there and they were the best fit. Don't just go and take the first referral that drops in your lap. That is a recipe for disaster. And I know it's the easiest thing to do, and it's super tempting. That's why I'm bringing it up. Don't do that. All right. You can talk to them. They can be one of your candidates. Try and get at least three candidates. If you've got more, great. Try and get at least three so you've got some room for comparison there and determining and feeling really good that you made the right choice. So... After you have done your recruiting and you have a few candidates that you think could do the job, then you get into the interview process. So here again, I'm not going to get into a lot of nuts and bolts. You can look at your local resources on the topic and what you legally can ask and say in an interview and what you can't. Make sure you're aware of that. But then I want to suggest that you have a framework for putting together, you know, the kinds of questions you want to ask so that each candidate you're asking similar questions. So you can do a fair, you know, apple to apple comparison. That doesn't mean you don't have flexibility if something comes to you in the conversation and your rapport building and you want to go, you know, ask a different question or ask about something, you want to dig in further into something they brought up, you should do that. But have that general framework so you know you've at least asked those similar questions that you can compare to the other candidates. I think that's only fair to everybody that, you know, it's kind of a similar playing field there. Then after you've done the interviews and you think you found your dream candidate, and that's great, good for you, don't get too excited and emotionally attached because now you need to check references. And I know people want to skip this step. I know it's a pain in the neck. They felt good. You know, you want to trust them. Don't do it. There's things you don't know until you ask and you won't find out from them. Now, maybe the references don't give you a ton of detail, but at least you checked and you know you did your due diligence and you know that what they said for their employment dates at XYZ company was not made up. Because people can do that, sadly, 
and then show up and interview really well and get a job. And that's just a shame to be starting on that footing. You want to kind of, you want to do your due diligence. So it's just an extra step you could actually do really quickly to check references on your top candidate. And if it sounds good, you can blast forward. And of course, they haven't accepted the job yet, so don't get too excited. The other thing that I like to point out when we're talking about the interview process is really hone in on and get used to checking your gut. Like if you feel like something's off or you should explore something further, do that. Don't ignore it or you'll always wonder and you could end up with a hire that looked better on paper than they really were. Trust your gut, explore a little further, make yourself feel better if you're going to hire that person. And the other thing, when I get into trusting your gut, I just want to add a little caveat there because sometimes we click with people and we're like, oh, I love this person. I need to hire this person because they're like us. Their personality or their behavioral style is like us. And so we click doesn't mean they're the best person for the job. You are not hiring a best friend. You are hiring a team member that you want to round out your team, probably with different skill sets than what you have. So remember that you're not looking for a best friend. You're not looking for someone that you're just like, chat, 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 chat. That could be bad for using your everybody's hours productively. You are hiring for their skill set, and knowing that they're the right fit for that position and the rest of your team. So this is when I really like to recommend that people get a DISC behavioral assessment done for all of their top candidates. If you're considering, or maybe just your prime top candidate, to make sure that their behavioral style matches what you want and need in that position and complements your team well. If you're hiring someone just like you, they're going to have a lot of the same weaknesses that you do. So I don't recommend that you do that. And if you'd like to learn more about DISC behavioral styles, or have a detailed assessment done, or some training with your team, reach out to me, because this is a big part of what I do and how I help teams develop or improve your customer service or your sales. It's a great tool. You can find short assessments online for free. So if it's someone you haven't even hired yet, I recommend that you just point them to a free assessment that they can then send to you. There's no right or wrong. It doesn't matter what their style is. If you know what it is, you can figure out if it's a good fit for the position you're hiring for. As an example, if you're hiring customer service and they are chatting with customers all day long, you don't want to hire someone who is, it's okay if they're reserved because they're just speaking one-to-one with people. They could be great, but they have to be people-oriented. If they're more task-oriented, Talking to people all day is going to exhaust them. They're not going to enjoy it. They may not be the best at it, but they may be okay. They're not going to enjoy it, and they're not going to stay in the job long term. So you're hiring not just for can they do it, but is this really a good fit, and are they going to stick around so I don't have to do this again in six months or less? 
that's not a fun thing that we want to do. All right. So you also will want to share your company's mission, vision, values, and just get a sense for if it resonates with this person, if they will be able to get excited and get behind it. And can you see them meshing with the rest of your team? Again, they don't have to be the same personality, but can you see them being flexible enough to get along with the rest of your team? Because that's important. The whole you know, chemistry of the team is important. All right. So, and again, I just want to stress, if you've interviewed a few people, you only had a couple of people apply, and none of them give you that, let's go, this is great feeling, I highly recommend that you hold out. The problem with waiting till you're desperate and you're short-staffed and overwhelmed is you just want to grab a body. And the problem with that is once you've hired them, you're going through the training, you're going through the process of trying to make it work, even though maybe they're not the best fit. Then you have to go through the process of getting rid of them when it doesn't work out. Then you have to go through the process of recruiting and hiring all over again. So it's easier in the long run to wait until you have what feels like to the best of your ability, a good fit for that position that you can get excited about bringing on and really pouring into them as part of your new team that's coming together. And I'm going to end this here. That's the hiring process, but I want to remind you that that's just the beginning. So next week, I'm going to talk more about the onboarding, the communication, and the training that needs to go on so you are ensuring you're doing what's in your power to set them up for success and setting your business up and yourself up for success as well, because you're going to be able to offload some of those responsibilities and catch your breath. So it's well worth it. All right. So I really appreciate you being here today. As always, I would love to hear your questions and I can answer them in the Facebook group. Or if it's on a topic beyond hiring, I'll be sure to address it in one of my next videos. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider taking a quick minute to leave us a five-star review. It would go a long way toward others finding us. Make it a great day.